Hello, friends, and welcome back to Spooky Sesh. My name is Rachel Maxwell, and I'm your host of Spooky Sesh. Today, we're going to be talking about a case of a young girl that essentially disappeared and no one knew what happened. So, today we're going to be talking about the case of Jessica McHenry. Jessica McHenry was born August 9th, 1976, in Livermore, California. She was described as a very soft-spoken, mature, and responsible young girl. She loved fashion and also loved boy bands. She had a younger brother, and I believe it said that he was 11 months younger than her, so they were very, very close in age. And her parents also had two younger siblings, and she acted as a second mother to those two younger siblings. She attended Granada High School, and she was described as very popular and very talented in music. On Tuesday, June 11th, 1991, it was the last day of scheduled school, and school's out early for final exams the next day. At 7.30 a.m., she was dropped off at school, and at 12 o'clock, school was let out because they had final exams, so they did a half day. Jessica realized that she had forgotten her house keys, and so she called her mom at work on a payphone and left her a message because she didn't get a hold of her. The message essentially stated that she wasn't going to walk straight home. She was going to walk to a friend's house and wait for her mom to get off work. Now, it was 1991, but surprisingly enough, the school had security cameras, and they worked. (laughs) Baffling, right? (laughs) Well, the school security cameras um, have Jessica turning right out of the parking lot of Granada High School onto Wall Street. At around 1.45 p.m., a classmate that lives on College Avenue notices out her living room window, um, she sees Jessica walking down the road. This is the last sighting of Jessica alive. Now, keep in mind, she left school around 12.15, and she wasn't spotted until 1.45. So, essentially, she was unaccounted for during that time. Um, but from what I could find, it doesn't appear that the police are too, like, worried or suspicious about it, so they might know, like, what she was doing, but we definitely don't know. So anyway, um, when Jessica's mom gets home, it is around 7 p.m., and she is frantic looking for Jessica and ends up calling 911. Tammy, which is Jessica's mom, when she called the police, the police asked her if she has any dental records of Jessica uh, because the police are fearful that they already know where Jessica is. So can you imagine being a parent and you are calling the police for help and they ask you about dental records? Like, I, as a parent, I would just be like, what on earth are we even talking about? Like, what is happening? Um, I don't know. But essentially, they were just kind of asking like her very odd questions. And she even like said, like, this is weird. What, why aren't you guys just trying to help me? Like they weren't asking like any details about Jessica necessarily. It was more so 
like identifying things about her. Anyway, uh, the police were asking that because um, around three hours earlier, around 4 p.m., um, there were two truckers that were going to the garbage dump and they noticed a small fire. Um, and this is off of Tesla Road. Um, when they went to, they had like parked the truck and they decided to walk up to where this small fire was happening. Um, I, apparently they were going to attempt to put it out. I, I don't know. Um, but they found a body of a young girl that was half naked and was being burned. And her face was already unrecognizable at this point. So they obviously called 911 and told police that they found a burning or burnt body. Um, her body was found in a very rural area and she was naked from the waist down. So since her body was so badly burned already, there were absolutely zero identifying things with her um, or on her. So she had no purse, no backpack, no ID, no anything where she went to school, like nothing at all. The only thing that they had was a necklace that she was wearing. So again, all of this happened on Tuesday, June 11th. On June 12th, police inform her mother of the state in which they found Jessica's body um, because they did like compare the dental records or whatever. Um, but obviously they couldn't do that in like five minutes. They it took a little bit of time there for them. Um, but then her necklace was given to her mother, which just kind of like solidified the fact like, holy cow, this was actually Jessica. Um, which again, I can't even like imagine because like as a mom, like I would be sitting there like, no, this isn't her. Like you, there's nothing to prove this yet. You know, like obviously she was just like hoping for the best until that morning of June 12th. Um, and apparently Tammy, her mom, was just, like, screaming and saying no, no. Um, yeah, just absolutely horrific. Um, the autopsy revealed that she had died from strangulation, blunt force trauma, and she was sexually assaulted. Um, they did have DNA. Uh, they actually found semen inside of Jessica, so they had a, like, a DNA sample and a good one. I mean, I, I would assume it was a good one anyway. I guess I can't – I guess I can't actually say they had a good one. But in my head, that would be a good one, right? Like, anyway. Um, so police, like, absolutely scoured this area. They did a very extensive search. But the search ultimately resulted in not many clues at all. Um, again, she was in a very rural area. And her body was just found there burning. Like – so police right off the bat suspect premeditation. Um, so her body was actually found on a private property and the private property had a gate and a lock on it. And the lock was cut off by bolt cutters. So the person like had to have like planned it out to have bolt cutters to get into this spot. Like that, I, I don't know. Um, but essentially they had narrowed it down to about five minutes or so after she had walked past her classmate's house on college, Jessica was kidnapped in broad daylight off of college. So just to give a little more, um, 
I guess I'd say background on this. So um, Wall Street, one of the cross streets of it is college. Um, and Granada was on Wall Street. So, or that was like the connecting street to the parking lot. So she walked from Wall Street to college. And then if you keep going down college, the like intersection, or there's like a stop sign. And if you turn, then you are on Tesla Road. Um, Jessica was found approximately 20 to 30 minutes outside of Livermore. Um, like I said, it was like a rural area. So within 20 to 30 minutes, essentially all of this happened to her. So yeah. Um, police believed that the two men that found the body, um, they felt that their answers were like very rehearsed and so they were very suspicious of them. Uh, because like, which like, I get it. Like you're just like driving and you see a fire and like you go investigate. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a thing. I wouldn't go investigate it. I, I probably wouldn't even think anything of it to be honest with you. But anyway, um, when police were like questioning them, uh, one of the men reported still seeing flames yet. One of the men reported that there were no flames anymore and it was just like smoldering. So we have some inconsistencies here. Um, and so police decided to light a fire and like test it essentially. And they noticed that the smoke would only be visible from the road for approximately two minutes after it had been started. So if they did get there when there were still flames, they somehow miraculously got there in under two minutes and somehow didn't see the killer. So anyway, um, the uh like the men's houses were searched um police did find a pair of bolt cutters in one of the men's garages but forensics did exclude them how i don't know but apparently forensics excluded them the bolt cutters from being the ones that cut the lock to the private property um so another thing which was not on anybody's side here was DNA testing was not available at the time to test that semen sample that they had. Again, this is 1991. They just didn't have the technology yet. So that kind of hindered this a little bit. Um, so police kept searching. They, again, they, they were pretty convinced that these two men had something to do with Jessica McHenry's death, uh, but they just couldn't prove anything. Well, Six years later, six years later, in 1997, DNA could now be tested against the truckers. So they obtained DNA samples from the two truckers, and both men were not a match. So as of 1997, six years after the fact, they were officially cleared of any wrongdoing. And so, okay, I'm, I'm going to give my opinion about these two men. So I think, I don't know, don't get me wrong. Uh, yes, it's suspicious that their stories don't necessarily match up. But at the same time, like, I can't imagine going up, like, you see a fire. So you're going up there, you're trying to be like a good person or whatever and go put it out. And you come across a body of like a girl, like, I, I don't know. I, I have to assume that there's some state of shock going on here. Or something of the sort. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's just me, though. <laughs> Again, I don't know. So anyway, 
13 years later, in 2004, two detectives decide to reopen the cold case because uh, it had obviously gone cold at this point. So two detectives reopened the cold case. Um, at this point, they had CODIS. Um, and if you don't know what CODIS is, it's essentially um, like a big database for all uh, like Department of Justice, law enforcement, etc. Um, they all input DNA into this. Um, that could be if they were convicted of a crime. Uh, well, yeah, yes, they were convicted of a crime. Whatever. You get where I'm going with this. But so essentially they can like put in a DNA that they have. So, like, for example, the semen sample, they upload that into CODIS and then CODIS does its little magic beep bop and then it shoots out a name if there's a match or it'll shoot out no match. Yeah. Yeah. So they did submit the semen sample to CODIS. So while the two detectives were looking into Jessica's case, they found that a year before... Jessica was kidnapped and murdered. A girl was actually attacked while walking toward Granada High School. A man was in his truck and he had gotten out and asked for directions while she was helping him or giving him directions or whatever. He grabbed her from behind and she knew like if she got in this truck, she was not going to live. Like, she was not going to make it. And so this girl fought off her attacker, and she fought against him and somehow managed to get free, called the police, reported it. And 18-year-old Gregory Sato was convicted of attempted murder, or attempted kidnapping, I'm sorry, attempted kidnapping. <laughs> and he, you know, six months, <clears throat> six months. Yeah, I just need a minute for that. Okay. <laughs> Six months for attempted kidnapping and was later released from prison just weeks before Jessica's murder. So again, police are like, we got a good one. Like we, we, this is it. We, we did it. So they tested his DNA against the sample that they had and not a match. So... It is now October 2006, 17 years after Jessica McHenry's murder. They officially got a CODIS hit. So the CODIS hit came back to Derek Moncada. Derek was 19 years old when he murdered Jessica. They did not go to school together as he had dropped out and he did not get his GED. So... Essentially, he, like, they just never linked up during school time. Like, they just weren't going at the same time. So, um, <clears throat> Derek was actually already in prison for um, doing some not-so-nice things to his uh, previous girlfriend. Um, I'm not going to go too much into detail of that uh, because I don't... I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily insanely relevant, but essentially he just, he wasn't nice. Okay. We're just going to say Derek is not a nice friend. He's, we should run the other way from Derek. All right. All right. So, uh, police went to interview him while he was in prison for another crime. Uh, they went and interviewed him on March 12th. Um, essentially he was cooperative. 
he was answering questions. You know, they they were kind of loosening him up before they sunk it in with Jessica a little bit, you know? So when they asked him about Jessica, he just completely shut down. He stated he knew nothing about her. He had never seen her before. Nothing of the sort. Did not know her. Nope, was not him. Nothing to do with it. Nope, not him. But police noticed that he wouldn't stop staring at the picture of her. Like when they were when they were talking with him, he just like wouldn't stop staring at the picture of her. So that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, so again, that was on March 12th that they went to interview him. The interview concluded around 5 p.m. Uh, Derek Moncada was last seen in his cell at 11 p.m. And by about 12.45 a.m., he was dead by suicide. <laughs> I'm not laughing because he killed himself. That's obviously not funny. I'm laughing because I'm just baffled. Like, you didn't, you didn't do it, allegedly. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, he had tied a bed sheet around his neck, feet, and bed frame and then rolled off the top bunk. Um, and that's how... <clears throat> So Derek was. Anyway, so he uh, he did leave a suicide note, and I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> Get ready for this one. First and foremost, I would like to sincerely apologize to all of my family members I have shamed. This incident, being my death, is not admitting guilt, but rather a way to prevent any further humiliation to the Moncada name. I have disgraced my family, for which I cannot accept. Death Before Dishonor, Derek D. Moncada. All right, Derek. All right, we gotta, we gotta, uh, we gotta break this down a little bit. All right, so this incident being my death is not admitting guilt. Uh, really, Derek? Like, you're not admitting guilt, but like the the day someone asks you about this alleged uh, murder that you potentially did, you. You killed yourself? All right. Okay. Uh, prevent any further humiliation to the Moncada name. Buddy, you're... <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to go into that. Uh, I have opinions. I'll keep them to myself here a little bit. Um, I've disgraced my family for which I cannot accept death before dishonor. <sighs> All right, Derek. Enough, enough, enough on Derek. I <laughs> Okay. So... Um, come to find out, uh, Derek Moncada is buried 170 yards away and in the same cemetery as Jessica. 170 yards away. Okay. Like what? Okay. So first off, you, you, you committed suicide. So the family doesn't actually get that, like, like, I don't want to say they didn't get the justice, but, I mean, they didn't, though. Like, I guess it's in a way they did because, like, you you can't harm anybody else. You, um, I, I don't know. I, I would be a little salty about it if I was uh, Jessica's parents or family because it'd be like, seriously? Like, <laughs> waited all this time for, like, the killer to be brought to justice and then this is what he does. So, I mean, I, I would get it. But, um, essentially... The way that they were trying to look at it was like they didn't have to go through a trial now. Like it was just 
It was just done and over with, essentially. Um, But to be buried 170 yards away in the same cemetery. Like, the family can't even now go and mourn Jessica, like, in peace. Like, the family has even stated that it's hard for them to go and see Jessica because Derek is buried so closely to them. So... Tammy, Jessica's mom, she has submitted requests to get his body moved. Um, Essentially, what I found was if they would have known that he murdered her, like they wouldn't have put him there. But at the, the, I don't know. I don't know. There's miscommunication somewhere, somewhere along the way. I'm not pointing fingers, but somewhere someone done fucked up but so tammy has submitted requests to get the body moved um you do have to like submit a formal request uh she she did that um but unfortunately um derek's family has to approve the move of his body and um i don't know about you but i i wouldn't be moving people um i'm not i wouldn't do it um but like if i was his family i wouldn't do it it's where I'm going with that. But whatever. Um, so, uh, but his family hasn't been able to be reached. Like, they've reached out multiple times. They want, um, like, they, they've made the attempts to get his body moved, but the family just doesn't, doesn't cooperate. Um, they don't talk to him about, like, they just, yeah. So, um, as of, well, I'm recording this on Halloween. So uh, um, as of Halloween 2022, um, as far as I am aware of, I have not seen anywhere that um, Derek's body has been uh, moved, Um, which I think is just actually pretty tragic. Uh, I can't imagine being Jessica's family and not being able to go mourn in peace and not have to see the person responsible for murdering your daughter. 170 yards away so i have looked i do not see a petition for this anywhere um i guess because i i really wanted to see if there's anything i could do to help move this along uh just for their family but i have not seen anything um so i guess i'll keep my eye out if i do find anything then i will post it in the like details of this but yeah so that is the case of jessica mchenry um it's pretty dang tragic if i do say so myself that is that's just disgusting um and the fact that it went so long with no answers and then that your answer was what it was yeah all right so hope you guys enjoyed this episode um i will see you guys next time or talk to you guys next time but until then stay spooky Thank mm-hmm. you.